Hi, and welcome to Apple Jam, a place where my friend Neil McCutcheon and myself, Bernardo Morales, discuss Beatles and Beatle-related records. These conversations are hosted in Clubhouse, where we meet every two weeks to discuss an album. We'd like to invite you to join the Apple Jam Club in Clubhouse and to follow us on Instagram. Now, without any further ado, here's the episode. So, so today's George Harrison's, it would have been um, George Harrison's birthday, and he would have been, um, can we work it out? 78? No, 80. No, 78. Can, 78. Something like that. Paul would be 80 this year, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, um, um, just uh, coincidentally, that uh, it's it's George's birthday today, and we're gonna. Oh, sorry, I missed that. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm, I'm... <laughs> sorry, I wasn't saying anything. Uh, okay. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, Brainwashed, which was his final posthumous album, which came out in two thousand and two. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when this one came out, Bernardo? I do. I remember when it came out. Um, I remember the, one of the singles. I don't know whether it was actually a single from from the al- the album, but it's called "Any Road," um, and that's the first song I heard from it, um, and I loved it. Um, which meant at the time that I actually bought the album, um, and it's one of the only George Harrison albums um, I bought um, before the the, the last um, re- release from. I think was was it last year? Uh, All things must pass. Before you got addicted to beats and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I really like that song, so I bought the CD and I still have it. So, so yeah. So did you I, I really did you get it. the one? Did you get the one in the the sort of fancy box thing? No, I, I got just a normal version that came in a kind of cardboard box with a plasticky thing. Ah, uh, okay, because they really did a deluxe thing here with um, kind of a poster and uh, there's a, a box with ohm, ohm symbols in it. And, you know, they, re- they really went to town on it. And, and, and one of my friends thought there was a guitar pick in there too, but I, I've never been able to find that one. I didn't get a guitar pick anyway. But there's a poster and there's a, there's a DVD. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you can find that DVD online um, on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, so this is this is um, George's uh, posthumous album, and I guess you remember where you, where you were, what you were doing when George died. It was back in two thousand and one. Yes. Um, and I just remember it being on the news and it being kind of very big news. I was still in high school; it was my last year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing Paul McCartney talking um, on the news, um, saying that, that he was very sad, that George was like his brother. Um, and it, it just felt very sad. Um, I remember my dad yeah. being very sad as well um, when, when George died. Um, so, so it was big news in, in, in Costa Rica? Definitely, yeah. The Beatles were huge in Costa Rica. Mm. Uh, right. And I, well, as I tell you, like, uh, as I told you in, in, in the previous meeting, um, there, there, I think there still is a one-hour uh, show on the radio every day about the Beatles called the Fab Four um, wow. uh, on FM radio, not on AM radio. Um, and um, so, so yeah, and a lot of people listen to that to that show. They're, they're, they're very big. I remember there were a lot of um, uh, sort of tribute magazines came out, Mojo and Uncut, and and I also still own some of the newspapers from the the day. So I, I've still got, and I can dig them out. Um, you know our British newspapers, and it was the yeah screaming headline on on uh, the the front of a lot of them. 
Um, I'm sure George would have kind of laughed about it gently. Yeah, like it was very sad. I don't remember like seeing on the news that he was sick uh, before he died. Like I remember, yeah, like that he was so sick that that he was just about to die. So it came as a bit of a shock. Yeah, and it was just sad to you know hear the details of that. But it was it was great to hear. And I don't think I knew that he'd been working on new material. Um, so. Uh, I, 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 2001 was the year that he re-released All Things Must Past, of course. There, so there was a lovely, um, you know, box set of that with a humorous artwork and everything. And I don't think I knew about this posthumous album at the time. And so it was great news to hear that this was coming out. Yeah, well, at the time, I, I didn't know that it was a, a posthumous album. I thought that he had finished it and, he, and that he had been released during his lifetime. Like I wasn't aware of the fact that um, that he didn't finish it, um, so so yeah, so that goes to show. Like I, I I bought this album because I thought it was it was because I really liked the music. Like I, I didn't buy it because it was George Harrison's last album, um, and and it still is one of my favorite George Harrison albums. I have to say. Absolutely, I think that he bookended his career with his two best albums. So all things must pass, and this one. What a fantastic way to start and end your your career. Yeah. Um, before that, before this album, the, the previous one he released of new material was Cloud9. Am I right? Yeah, and that was, um, I think, 1987. So yeah, it was quite, he wasn't exactly prolific at this time. I think he was doing his garden a lot. I think he, he just got really into gardening. And he didn't have to be prolific. Yes. Um, so, so I really respect uh, that. Um, the fact that, that yeah. he only made music when he really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends in the 90s um, lived in uh, Reading, and he used to see George driving around, you know, and mm -hmm. his open-top car and all that. So he'd occasionally see George. <laughs> You know, Very but in this year, at this era, he was he he made no public appearances really. Um, he was just uh, um, living as a just a private guy, you know, and but and 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 just doing these recordings from about nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so it, it's very strange, isn't it? Considering the fact that he was such a big rock star that he just wanted to kind of live like life and in his garden, as you said, and and. And not doing much in terms of music. Well, I think I, saw, I think I saw the moment. You know, one of the moments when that happened because when he released Gone Tropo, which is another album I love, he was interviewed on on uh, Newsnight, um, which is like one of our big news programs here, and he just said, you know, he said, I don't know why I do these albums because nobody buys them. Like, he said nobody listens to them because, of course. In the 80s, he was really out of style. And so I guess he just thought, well, you know, you know, why bother? And then with the Travelling Wilburys, he obviously he got a lot of enjoyment from that. And that led that to Cloud Night. successful too. Yeah. But he was definitely past the point where anything was driving him to make music. And that's what, you know, what, one of the things I love about this album is it's a, it's a labour of love. Like, you can just tell that he wanted to get these songs out. They're absolutely not 
um, you know, supposed to be commercial or for the 2000 market. It's just what he wanted to say. You know, he's just expressing himself. So it's one of those really artistic albums. Yeah, for sure. He's very beatly as well in certain parts um, or, or, in, or certain songs are, are quite beatly. Maybe that's one of the reasons I, I liked it very much when it, when it came out. Yeah, and does his, doesn't his voice sound so young? Like, it does, it's but... really just recognizably his voice. and It doesn't sound old or croaky at all. And he looked very good as well. Like, if you look at the footage um, of the 90s, yeah. where he did some of the songs, like, um, well, the video for... Um, What's the, what's the name of this song? In Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea? Is that the name of the song? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah. He looked very young. And also he did a bit um, in, I think, VH1 back in like the mid-90s where he played um, Any Road and he had long hair and he, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think and one of the, the things... Of George, oh, go on. He sound, sorry, the only recording of George's where he sounded older to me is that Live in Tokyo album. I don't know that one. Um, yeah. I, 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 I may have heard it once or twice, but doesn't it sound a bit flat? Like it, it's not, he doesn't want to be doing it or something. Yeah. I think it was, um, Eric Clapton that convinced him to go on tour with him. Um, mm. so it's, it's called live in Japan. That's the name of, of, of the album. And, um, and he plays all his hits, um, from the Beatle days. So, um, yeah. I want to tell you an old brown shoe and taxman and all yeah. those songs. Um, and he just sounds tired and he doesn't sound very much into it. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. But with this album, um, you know, he really was. And I think we have to talk a little bit about um, Jeff Lynne. Um, I mean, he's like the sixth Beatle by now, right? For sure. Yeah, he is. Um, because Jeff Lynne and Danny Harrison basically got together and put this album together with the tapes that George had left. And they did it so subtly that you, you you can't tell they're there i mean they're doing things but they're not imposing themselves well you can tell that um jeff lynn really knew george very well um you can tell that they've been working together for a long time also i think jeff lynn had influenced george's music um since they met since the mid 80s um you can you can hear that in his production work in, in most of the songs that they did together there is a, a very lovely bit of interview i think i have it here ready um of danny harrison talking about um, exactly about that, how well they knew each other and how um, Jeff Lynne could interpret all the kind of weird notes that, Jeff, that uh, George left with all the, with the um, well, about the songs before they finished them. C can I play that bit? Yeah, play it. Just, just a second. A lot of, a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of it would be just legal pads that you just go through and the whole thing would be full and then you get another one underneath it and the whole thing would be full. And it just not necessarily, he never wrote instructions. He'd just write notes like rising sun, cello, chunky cello part with wobble, you know, something just in his language, you know, and Jeff looks at him and is like, Oh great wobble. Yeah. You know, Oh, we're going to put a wobble on there and a bit of chunk there. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, they obviously knew what they were talking about. And so, so that's exactly it. They really knew each other very well. And I think that um, Jeff would have been the only person who could have envisioned what George would have wanted from those songs. Absolutely. And this, this whole Jeff Ling, Lynn and Beatles parallel thing starting, I mean, way back, Jeff Lynn was in the Idol Race, um, who are very Beatley band. And then um, he said that ELO were going to 
pick up where I am the walrus left off. That was his project, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's um, John Lennon on a radio show saying how much he liked, um, I think it was Showdown, so one of the ELO tunes, and um, saying that, you know, that that's kind of what the Beatles would be doing if they'd been around in the 70s, and so on and so on, right through the anthology. Um, and and traveling Wilburys, of course. So Jeff Lynn's a Beatle aficionado and a Beatle companion. Yeah, I mean, I guess it can be, well, it's controversial, um, especially his work with the Beatles. Uh, Many people Mm -hmm. like it. Many people don't like Free as a Bird, which I guess is the kind of most important song that he produced um, with with the the three. is Is it because of the big drum? Maybe it's, it's got to do with that, with a Jeff Lynne drum snare sound, um, which is mm-hmm. impressed. Um, I personally like it. I've, I've never been against it. I really like that, um, the Jeff Lynne sound. And I'm a big fan of Free as a Bird. I don't know whether you, you like it. And he does. Oh, sound- I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of, of Free as a Bird. And I, I like Jeff Lynne as well, especially from um, Out of the Blue, 1977, right through to Secret Messages. Um, I, I'm, and he, he's, he's a genius. He's, he's got that harmonic uh, genius. Uh, and he's, he's, he's just so fun. And um, I mean, it is derivative of the Beatles, but it's good stuff. Yeah, but um, apart from that, apart from the fact that he was a really good musician, a good songwriter and, and everything, he's a good producer as well um so he's oh, a yeah. very talented man i got for christmas actually um a blu-ray of um, elo called live in hyde park and it's got um a concert from hyde park which is really really good um and it also has a little documentary about jeff uh, lynn's career and and it's amazing you can see he's a multi-instrumentalist he's got instruments all over his house um he records in, in apparently his whole house is like a studio because he gets different types of sounds from different rooms. You can see there is a drum kit in a corridor and a guitar in the living room and ukuleles all over the place. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. And everyone's wow. highly of, of, of his work. And he's one, actually, Paul does an interview there, Paul McCartney, and, and it's a very relaxed interview. Um, and, and, and I really like that. I'm, I'm, I'll share it with you. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I just narrowly missed... Um... I missed out on seeing them when they went on tour um, and I was at the big EFL conference IATFL in Birmingham and it would have just been so good to see them in Birmingham but by that time the tickets were £300 which is it's kind of too much for a rock show but you know It's all your IATFL tickets <laughs> 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 so let's, let's get on to the, um, the album so the album is uh, Brainwashed um, the, the the titles, the previous titles were going to be a portrait of a leg end, <laughs> mm-hmm. which which I guess is the end of a leg, like the end of one leg of 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 a series of lives. Maybe that's how I interpret it. Uh, and it didn't get that title. And then another title it was supposedly going to have is "Your Planet Is Doomed," Volume One. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. brainwashed is better <laughs> yeah absolutely but why don't we talk about um any road um because yeah. you mentioned that one 
that's the song that made me buy the album at the time um i really like the lyrics i think they're the magnificent and um i i love the production of the song because it's got it's got like a banjo like instrument on top of the guitar i don't know if you've ever noticed it yes yeah i don't know what it is 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 there a little kind of ukulele in there too it's a banjo lele oh a banjo lele wow yeah, which is a small, which it's like a small ukulele shaped like a banjo, but it's still a full. No, it just sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but I really like the the sound of both the guitar and the banjo lele um, at the same time, um, because it kind of gives it the it, well, it it sounds a little bit as if you were playing the guitar with a capo, right? It gives it mm-hmm. kind of, yes, um, kind of a more uh, like these higher notes, you know. So um, so so I really like it. And and I just thought the lyrics were really nice, so it's it's one of my favorites. Luke, I agree with you. I think it's a fantastic lyric, not too, not too heavy, not laying it on too thick. Um, just an uh, just a, an inspired lyric, probably the best lyric on the album. Um, I, I once played this uh, song with a with a friend, and um, it's just a great song to play. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it is. Um, and I've, I've played it you, and it's, 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 um, it's a good song to play. Play a little bit of it now. But before I play a bit of the actual yeah. um, track from the album, back in 97, so before they actually started recording this album, uh, yeah. there was like a little tribute um, that they did on VH1. And, um, and the interviewer asked George, he was there with Ravi Shankar in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the guy said, well, could you play us any, could you play us a song? Like, if you say no, it's fine. And if it doesn't work out, um, then we won't put it in the program. And they didn't put it in the program because it didn't sound good um, to George. But later, once he passed away, they did like a little tribute show and, and, and they played it. And I'll, I'll play a bit of that. Oh, that would be great. Traveling on a boat and a plane and a car and a bike and a bus and a train. Traveling there, traveling here, everywhere, in every gear. But, oh, Lord, you pay the price with the spin of the wheel, with the roll of the dice. Ah, oh, yeah, you pay your fare. And if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. I've been traveling on the ring and a prayer On the skin of my teeth, the breadth of her hair Traveling where the four winds blow With the sun on my face in the ice and the snow but... So it's, it sounds... Oh, that's good. Now, it's very I'm... similar to the, to the album version, which I'll play now. Give me that plenty of that guitar. So it's, it's, it sounds lovely. Lovely, very jolly. You might have to just put the volume down just slightly on those. Okay. Yeah. Um, with the lyric, it's kind of um, ambiguous. Like, um, is is he saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing not to know where you're going? Because it could be about sort of being relaxed about 
um, sort of controlling outcomes and to, right if you if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there so it's fine or it can be about it could be about sort of the pointlessness if you don't have any belief or something there's no point um, then you know if you don't know where you're going any road will take you there it just doesn't matter what you do because it's all pointless do you, and I love that I mean do you, do you come down on any particular side of that or do you just see the ambiguity um, I, I, I see what you mean. I always thought that that song means that it doesn't matter what you do. You, you have kind of a destiny and you'll always end up doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Um, so you can just relax. So you can just relax and enjoy life because it, it doesn't matter what you do. You'll always be where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And that's, that's lovely. That, that's a, yeah, a lovely sentiment. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of similar to that song, The Inner Light, um, the, the Beatles song. Um, yeah. the, the farther one travels, the less one knows, the less one really knows. That's right. And the, the words um, of that one are from the Tao Te Ching, I think, from memory. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're not actually George's words. He's just taken oh, them from spiritual book. Yeah. I, I thought he, he, he'd written it. No, I think I think they I think they're just lifted directly from spiritual book. I mean, he some he does that sometimes. He's not going to get done for plagiarism, is he? <laughs> he does say here some writers, George Harrison. <laughs> oh, what for the inner no, light? No, no. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, but I'm sure it's the same as Golden Slumbers, which I think Paul lifted that, the, the lyrics from somewhere, and he's still crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's from a, that's some of that's from a, um, a nursery rhyme. Yeah. yeah. So what's another what's another song that you really like from this album? There's so many. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go on a limb and I'm gonna say um, let's talk about Marwa Blues. Oh, okay, Marwa Blues. Yeah, this is one that got included on the compilation. Um, um, what's the comp the, his posthumous compilation called? Was it Let uh, It Roll? Let It Roll. Yes. Yeah. 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 Marwa Blues. The reason why I, I chose this song as the next song is because it kind of it it shows how George grew as a musician after the Beatles, because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful song. It's it's the performance yeah. is wonderful, and it has absolutely nothing to do with any of the things he did when he was in the Beatles. Um, he did hardly any slide guitar when, when, when he was, mm -hmm. um, and he was a, a phenomenal slide guitarist. I love George's slide guitar work. Um, which he did most of after the Beatles. Um, and I also like this kind of Hawaiian vibe of, of the song. But then he goes into this kind of Indian um, kind of chants in the middle. And then he, is that right? Yes. I mean, apparently the, um, it, it's a kind of um, based on, loosely based on a sort of Indian classical melody, which he reimagined for slide guitar. So, you know, interesting. And with the, yeah, with this Hawaiian feel as well. Yeah. So, so I really like it. I really like where it goes and where it takes, it takes you to different, it's an instrumental and it just takes you to yeah. different places. So, so, so I think it's just a very interesting piece of music. Oh, play a bit of that. Okay, just let me find it one second. Is the volume okay? Yes, that's much better. Something really nice is how the tambourine goes from one side to the other. Oh, I'd never noticed that. 
Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? It's almost like a Pink Floyd or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love this, this piece of music. And for me, it describes George after the Beatles. One of the things that I heard somebody say about his um, slide guitar, which is true, is that he was absolutely kind of note perfect. Like he had such a good ear and he would just hit that note. Because, of course, on slide guitar, um, for anyone that doesn't know, there are no frets. So you just have to, you really have to hear it. Um, There's nothing on the, the instrument to guide you. And yeah, and in order for you to kind of um, hide the fact that you might not get the note properly, you do a lot of vibrato. Um, yeah, I, I'm horrible at playing slide guitar. It always sounds as if I was killing a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can always do one of those uh, blues, um, you know, things with a bottleneck, you know. Well, I've got a proper slide. I bought one. And, I, and I've yeah. tried like these kind of open tunings as well um, and uh, to practice. And I have a guitar which is actually tuned um, in, I think it's E major, open E, um, which I which is supposed to be for that. But I just, I just never get it right for some reason. Yeah, it takes a lot of practice. I mean, George was absolutely fantastic. And, and, and I suppose, um, you know, he got to that point um, from being so good at, you know, harmonies, because he was often the harmony vocalist, not the lead vocalist. So he just has this very musical ear. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's, it's, this is a beautiful piece of music. So you get to choose the next song, Neil. Okay, the next song I would like to choose is Stuck Inside a Cloud. Um, So this is um, just a very personal song. Um, Again, I think it was a single, if there was such a thing in 2002. Were there singles back then? I don't know. Uh, If if there were, then this would have been a single, but this was the track that was played on the radio and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, Danny liked it very much, so he put it as track seven, because seven um, was George's favourite number. And it's George really... He's talking about, you know, his battle with cancer, I think, and knowing that death's coming. Um, I read somewhere recently it's also talking about the the comforts of, of songwriting. So that was an interesting interpretation that he's just saying, you know, that he he has no answers to the questions that have you know, loomed or appeared on his horizon. He just has music. And it's just a beautiful melody. Um, the I, I like the opening couplet. Um, yeah. I never slept so little, I never smoked so much, you know. So he's... he's um, putting his heart on, 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 on his sleeve and into the lyric here. Yeah, it's a very sad song. Um, I'll play a bit of it.
it's it's a really really nice song it's got everything the the delivery the the playing um it's just fantastic and and it's so sad at the end he just sings you know um crying as we part and uh, I, you know i'm going to lose my heart and it, um it's 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 as personal as anything from plastic ono band isn't it and it, he, he he's just poured himself into this song yeah, definitely. Um, and it shows that, well, actually, when I first bought this album, I wasn't aware of how dark it was in, in, in that sense, how how much it was about death. Um, if, if I mean, there were a couple of tracks I really liked um, when I bought it, which were Any Road and Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, which are kind of more kind of upbeat songs. Um, but then mm-hmm. you start listening to it, it, it does get a little bit kind of dark um, in some tracks. And, and some of them are very dark in, indeed because of course he was um uh, listeners will know that um that he was attacked by an intruder at the end of uh, 1999 just a day before the millennium and stabbed and hospitalized and um so one of the songs on the album is about that incident yeah and very dark that um well he'd kind of um been treated for cancer in in 97 and she said in an interview that she felt that it was um after that attack that the cancer came back that george wasn't as strong as he was and and, and Mm -hmm. he never managed to be the same after yeah um I, i remember that attack on the news but i remember it being played down a little bit um, I didn't, well, or at least they probably didn't want to, to for the public to know how serious it had been. Well, it was right one day before the millennium, and all these big parties were going to happen and everything like that. I just felt it was kind of, you know, it was sort of pathetic in a way because didn't he start saying Harry Krishna or something to the attacker? Like it's just not going to work when you've got a, a maniac with a knife, you know. Yeah, and he, he had, the, well, the guy was some kind of maniac, right? He was he obsessed with George, or did, perhaps he didn't know that George lived there. I can't remember if it was a, a personal thing. Um, it was a, a, a guy who was sick, um, and uh, it was Olivia, right? She hit him on the head with something. Yes, that's how yeah. she got him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very, very scary and very sad. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, while we're on it, so that song, um, "Looking for My Life." Um, He's kind of he's kind of pulled out a positive message from it that like when you have a life threatening emergency it makes you uh, connect with what really matters you know um, mm-hmm. which you know people you love and um, and he said you know he only found it out when he was when I was down upon my knees yeah so that's a, a, a very you know hard hitting song yeah but if you listen to the actual song it's very upbeat isn't it oh yeah i mean this typical george melody yeah yeah but um yeah but well it is a typical george melody but it is more i mean considering the topic it's pretty upbeat i'll play a bit of it just once just one second Mm -hmm. one second here is
So yes, it's a very darkish lyric, but the, the music is really upbeat. So set to a jaunty melody. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't speak English, then it's it, it's a bit of a happy song. Yeah. <laughs> you can dance around to it. Um, what's another one that you like? Well, um, just reading the notes, I think we're going to disagree on this one. Um, I really like P2 Vatican Blues. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, go on, tell me about it. Sell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to sell it to you. Um, I just think it's a really funny song. Um, I couldn't believe that he actually went and had a go at writing a song that would kind of be making fun of his Catholic upbringing a little bit. Um, that that bit of like the puff of white smoke knocked me out, which is what happened. <laughs> yeah, because he was brought up a, a Catholic, um, probably more than any of the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. So you may as well have a go at it. <laughs> yeah, um, he he. I think he had Irish family, right? Um, that's where he got his Catholic stuff. Yeah, um, I think maybe what what puts me off is the Saturday night thing. I don't like any songs. Uh, um, with Saturday night in the title, it's just I don't know why. <laughs> and it doesn't really fit. Like you have um, no. at the ceiling from below, a splendid Michelangelo. That's okay. Fill my heart with delight. Last Saturday night. Yeah. So yeah, because there's an Elton John song, there's a Grateful Dead song called uh, "With Saturday Night," and and they're all terrible. Um, so I feel like it's the cursed couplet. <laughs> Yeah, but but if you if you keep listening to the song, I arrived believing from home, climbed every step inside St. Peter's Dome, claustrophobic and ex-Catholic. Oh, last Saturday night, you're right. But I like the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, play a bit. Line, it's quite um, it's quite suspicious to say the least. Even mentioned it to my local priest. So I, I kind of like yes. that. <laughs> yeah, it's got some it's got some nice humor in it. And the kind of bluesy guitar is really well played as well. So I'll play a bit of it. Gaze at the ceiling from below. A splendid Michelangelo. Fill my heart with delight. That's Saturday night. Step inside St. Peter's Dome Claustrophobic and ex-Catholic Last Saturday night So, yeah, so I really like this song, actually. It's, it's, it's... Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree about that descending guitar, but that's really nice. Yeah, the, the guitar is really nice, and it's kind of jolly as well compared to the rest of the album. Um, and I don't know, yeah, it, it always puts me in a good mood. When, whenever it comes on, it, it brings up a smile, so I really like that song. <laughs> Did you find when you were listening to this album that that um, the the kind of the production that sort of very solid chunky um, ELO Traveling Wilbury sort of production did that did did you find it very samey? I don't know because when I, when I bought the album back in in two thousand and two, I hadn't really listened to a lot of kind of ELO or Traveling Wilburys, so this was kind right. of some of the well, except for the Beatles with Free as a Bird, um, I hadn't really been exposed to much of of Jeff Lynne's productions. Um, mm. So so I, I don't know. So I see this album as its own thing. 
Um, right. I mean, it was just one of the things that occurred to me when I was listening to it again. I've always really liked the album and the songs, but I suppose they they didn't want to depart too much. They didn't want to impose their own personalities too much because George was gone. So I feel that the production is always really kind of solid, but very similar in a lot of the tracks. Yeah, I can feel that with the drums, that the drums sound the same in most of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. very interesting. Like if you listen to Flaming Pie by, by Paul McCartney, um, there are a lot of songs that um, w- that Jeff Lynne produced, but that don't have that kind of very characteristic Jeff Lynne sound. Um, yeah, I mean that because that is one of the things with Free as a Bird. I I I I love Free as a Bird as well, but I just wish they'd gone for that Beatles um, '60s drum sound, which is the kind of rather than that big nineties press Jefflin sound, you know. Yeah. Just there's nothing wrong with that original snare sound, you know. It doesn't have to sound like uh, you know, the the biggest snare in the entire world, you know. But then perhaps if they, if he had sounded like a drum kit from the sixties, it would have sounded dated and people wouldn't have liked it. Yeah, but that's okay. You know, I think, uh, I mean, because often I think the snare is the least interesting thing on a, a, a track, on a, well, it depends on the band, but, you know, and, 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 and I mean, let's not even get into that 70s um, snare sound, that, you know, that really sort of boring snare sound you get on 70s albums. I mm-hmm. hate that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know about free. I always defend Jeff Lynn because um, with Free mm-hmm. Bird in particular. Because people had such high expectations from that album that he, it was impossible that he was going to please anyone. Um, yeah, they, they expected no. to release another "Hey Jude" or another "Yesterday." First of all, it wasn't such a great song, "Free as a Bird." It, it wouldn't. I don't mm-hmm. think that song would have made a Beatle album um, if it had been presented in the '60s. It was only chosen because it was one of the perhaps the best of the four songs that they were given by Yoko Ono um, that John hadn't already released. Um, and so there's that uh, to, to begin with. And second, I think what he did with, with that tape was amazing. I mean, apparently that tape was out of time. It was John playing in his living room to a cassette and he had to separate everything and put it in time and they had to record um, all the bits. And this was before Pro Tools as well. So everything had to be done in, with an analog machine. So he, he did a great job. No, it's completely amazing. It's it's also it ends up being sonically interesting and hourly interesting. You know the kind of thing you want to put on headphones. Um, um, you know it's it's really beatly. Um, that it's got so many changes in it. George does one of the best solos of, if not the best of his entire life, and then they just made this wonderful wonderful video for it with all the little Beatles references. It's a, it's, it was a great way to go out, you know. And I agree with you. I think Jeff Lynne did a fantastic job on that track. And interestingly, I think he's the only Beatles solo that has a slide guitar. <laughs> ah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, and the guitar solo just makes that song. Everything, everything is pretty good about it. But then when the guitar solo comes along, it just blasts off. And it's, and the singing it's just wonderful. Because I think they do like a shorter version of the middle eight. Um, and I think it's George singing it. And then he goes into the guitar solo. So I think it's, it's, it's just great how he takes you there. 
brilliant. Could, could we, I mean, I know it's a little bit off our topic today, but I don't suppose you've got it on your magical machine. Well, I have, first of all, I have the demo that John Lennon was uh, gave the Beatles, so I'll play a bit of that first. Uh, okay. So, so this is what Jeff Lynne was given. And then we'll hear the, the solo we'll hear the from band. the... Yeah. yeah. Was a boy. So it's really hard to make a song from that. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just find now the actual version of Free as a Bird. Just one second. And here it is. So let me just find the beat with the solo. It's just such a simple solo, but the way it's positioned there, it just makes that track just blast off. It's wonderful. And it's so punchy as well. Like, it's so rocky. Yeah. And oh, great. some backing vocals in the background as well that, that go very well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they worked. They worked so hard on that. They wanted to, they didn't want to go out with a sort of a weak track. But they did, because I think real love is not. Well, yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> and he put them off working on the third track which was now and then um i still like the second one um but um yeah it's not the greatest thing ever but i still quite like it well int- but free as a bird's got a great chord sequence and that's one of the things that you know they knew that they had good material there and i think they also like the fact that it was an unfinished song so they could they also they could write bits for it i think they wrote the middle yeah. yeah and you can hear that john's really trying to hit the vocal and it sounds the piano sounds quite out of tune but he's trying to uh he's kind of made quite a good effort with the vocal there so um it's something they can work with yeah anyway back to back to brainwashed and we can talk about two or three more tracks yeah um it's my turn right or is it your turn to choose yeah go on uh, we've got to talk about the title track at some point well let's talk about that one let's talk about okay yeah what do you think of that one I really like this song. It's brilliant. Yeah, I was actually listening to that song today, um, and I felt and I feel it's very appropriate to to 
the, the times we're living at the moment. I mean, we're being brainwashed by the news, brain, brainwashed by politicians, and, and, and everything is just so crazy at the moment. Since COVID started, everything's just been so Oh, yeah. Crazy. And I, even even before that, you know, since 2016. But, uh, you know, things, yeah, things are... Um, I, I know George felt that he when he wrote the song, you know, he said that he thought that the world was going crazy with, uh, you know, technology and mobile phones and stuff. Now, if you remember what mobile phones were like in 2001... <laughs> I mean, mm. no. I mean, they they weren't really that entertaining back then. Well, yeah, um, I remember what it was like not to be connected all the time, and there's something to be said about that. Um, life was simpler, wasn't it? Yeah, Actually, but I think when, we, when we met, I, I don't think I had a mobile phone. I think I had a mobile phone. Right? Never had any money in it. Yeah, I had like yeah. A I mean, phone. I got my first mobile phone around about two thousand and one. Um, but I know that, you know, for, for a sort of um, baby boomer like George, by 2000, he thought that the world was kind of going crazy. And that's why he wanted to retreat from it and do his garden. And this song's kind of like his sort of anti-manifesto, you know, for, for an older guy, for somebody who's 57, 58, um, it's full of fire and anger, you know. Mm-hmm. And and funnily enough, that song was written when when was this song written? Probably in the late nineties, right? Yeah. Um, and when perhaps and there wasn't so much technology as there is now, and the world was probably at a better place um, compared to where it is now. Um, and it's still every bit as as relevant as it was back in the nineties. Yeah, and it, it's just it's really one of the best tracks, and I also love the fact that um, it, it's the final track. So they, you know, they were really thinking of this as an album of a sequence of um, songs leading up to something, not just as a, a collection of songs, not just you know there, there was an order, a planned order to them, and uh, brainwashed is a just a fine ending to that album and it kind of blew me away at the time because i wasn't expecting the last track to be one of the best you know you, you, you a lot of albums at that time um were front loaded and you'd get all the best ones to start with but then this one ended with a punch yeah it did it's a very working class hero this song if you if you if you look at the first lines brainwashed by our, in our childhood brainwashed by our school yes brainwashed yes. by the teachers and brainwashed by all their rules he's very working class hero mm. i just like the fact that he's um passionate he hasn't lost any of his passion in fact you know there aren't very many angry george songs there are a few like sort of finger wagging uh, and poor-faced songs, you know, from the Beatles days and everything. But this is really, like, properly angry, you know. I wonder if he was influenced by, I don't know, Dylan or... It's a, it's, it's one of those list songs as well, and I always like those. Yeah. Should I play a bit of it? Mm. Okay, just bear with me because I, I lost the album by looking for free as I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got it here. got a great beginning as well. Brainwashed in our childhood, brainwashed by the school, brainwashed by the school. 
Brainwashed by our teachers and brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Oh, it's fantastic. Even even on this little speaker, it sounds just fantastic. Yeah. And as you said, no, guitar no, intro is No, that guitar intro Sorry, is really that. good. Yeah, yeah. And and just the, just the, the, the fact that he was so upfront about his uh, kind of spiritual message here, because, you know, the Beatles had a sort of gentleman's agreement that they would never mention God, you know, <laughs> at all, even in passing. And yet, this one is the chorus is God, God, God. So you know. I know. I, I thought about that when I was listening to it today because I was listening to the whole album on my way back from work. I was thinking about, about that time when we did that episode about uh, Plastic Ono Band, and you mentioned that they had this gentleman's agreement, and then John Lennon releases a single called God. <laughs> yeah, um, and well, as soon as they were free, they all started mentioning. I think they've all mentioned God now <laughs> at least yeah. once, even Paul. <laughs> I think Paul. Um, yeah, but or at least he was huh? happy. The, probably Paul is the least spiritual of 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 them, at least in his music. I think it was the final track on um, um, "Flowers in the Dirt." I can't even remember what it's called, but he's got this kind of line. It's I think he's just desperate for a rhyme, and it's like "Heavenly Father," something from above, you know, probably to rhyme with love. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not one of his best songs. What song is that? Um, a mo- motor, motor, motor of, of love or something. Motor of yeah. love. Yeah. Oh God, that song is not. Don't play it. Don't play it. <laughs> but but um, brainwashed is a is a is a re, is a is a proper God manifesto. And then at the end, um, and of course they read from the yoga sutras in the middle, and then at the end, uh, Danny. Um, um, well, the, you know, the son who's been left behind d- d- chants this this chant with his with his father who's gone, and it's so moving, you know. Yeah, I think I've got that bit here. Let me just see if I can play it. Just one second. Is this the bit you mean? Yeah. Nama Parvati Patae Hara Hara Nama Parvati Patae Hara Hara Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, that is beautiful. And I wanted... mm-hmm. Go ahead, sir. I was just going to say one of the things that I love about this track, and I just wish that there was more of it on the album, and and I just wish there was more of it on Paul album. Uh, there's that you get it on Paul albums, as uh, and you'd certainly get it in the Beatles. Is just when you've got one texture going all the way through, uh, uh, you know, and you think the song's going to be one thing, and then suddenly it changes to a totally different soundscape, and this does that twice. 
and I, I just really love when that happens, and I love to be surprised by a song, because most of the productions on this are so solid. The way that the song begins is the way that it ends, more or less. But this this song, Brainwashed, is a, a little journey. Uh, it's almost like a little LP in itself, and I really like that. You're entirely right. Um, I was listening to this song um, on the way back from work today, and I was having so much fun. And it was just because yeah. I'm taking you to so many places. It, it, it was certainly a, a sonic experience, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely, lovely one to um, hear on um, headphones. And, and if you weren't converted to meditation or something before, then you probably would be when you'd heard it. I mean, because it's just something it's, it's kind of required now because the world is really... You know, it's just a, quite a difficult place to be at the moment, you know. And and, and even, that's just for us living in the, the West, you know. I mean, I think in other countries it's harder and ho obviously much harder um, yeah. uh, right now. And, uh, you know, so this was, a, it, as you say, really, really relevant. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to mention is the fact that obviously it's always a tragedy to lose a parent, um, but in the case of... Um, Danny Harrison, he really did manage to play to pay tribute to George really well, um, both with what he did on this album um, and yes. the concert that he organized, uh, which was also in 2002. I was actually in London at the time. Uh, so was I, so was I, Bernardo, but I didn't know it was going to happen. I, I, I had no inkling. I, I don't know. It wasn't advertised. I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, I, I was aware it was happening um, because there were a bunch of people who were, who were going to go to it. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and the concert itself was amazing. It was, it had like a really nice kind of Indian music section at the beginning. And then... Did you go? Went, um, yeah, I went because I, I knew guys, well, I became friendly with some guys from the Beatles store. And mm -hmm. they got me one of the cheaper seats. And I cool. All the, I spent all the money I had. And I was so sad because now I, I've got the Blu-ray and, and I recognize all of these songs. But at the time, I didn't really know a lot of George's songs and I didn't know, like, I didn't know his back catalog. Um, uh, okay, so you didn't, yeah. And I certainly you didn't get as much out of it as you could have done. Yeah, and I wasn't into that uh, in, into Indian music as much as I am now. Um, so now I would have it would have been the experience of a lifetime. But at the time, I was going, oh, "Come on, hurry up! I want to listen to Paul playing." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Can you see yourself in the audience? That's what uh, Blu-rays are for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, Can I, you see, I yourself? see myself anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I also have um, a, the DVD of that Paul McCartney concert we went to, which I, I found in the shop. And uh, oh, okay. I, I, I can't see uh, us dancing. <laughs> well, that's great. He's gonna, his, his, the news of his latest tour just came out, um, but so far it's only in the US. Yeah, I've seen in some Beatles groups on, on Facebook that people are complaining yeah. about the prices of the tickets. Before we, before we finish, I, I, wanna, I definitely want to mention Pisces Fish. Because I love this song. So the one, one, yeah, one, one. I, I love the, I love. Well, I'm always grabbed by a melody, and I just think it has one of the best melodies on the album. And it's about cycling, and I'm a really keen cyclist, and that's one of the things. Um, well, there's two things that can happen when you're cycling. You can get lost in in a sort of parade of thoughts, so you can get really you know quite meditative on a bike it's a lovely experience and this is 
you know, him to start with, he's noticing all the stuff that he sees, like the geese crapping along the banks. And then gradually it just turns into this all is one kind of nowness reflection on a bike ride and it, and it just i had no idea that george liked cycling along you know the canals i mean at that time i used to regularly cycle along a canal into london because uh, i lived in harrow at that time and and so it just really touched me and i felt a sort of a kinship with him mm -hmm. i play a bit of it It's a very nice lyric. It's so ordinary as well. It's a really nice everyday lyric and the kind of just observing things as he goes along, but then the chorus is kind of that he feels one with everything, and that's just... Um, I mean, I've had... That's my bike ride experience, too. That's really... I've never really been into, into biking, mostly because I never really did it as a kid because I used to live in a place where, where you couldn't really go cycling. But, but it's something I'd like to take up. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, it's really, it's it's one of those things that you can you can kind of switch off because unless you do something really stupid, uh, you probably won't be a danger to yourself or anyone else, you know. Mm -hmm. So you can really, I, I guess driving can be like that too, but, you know, driving you just kind of got to watch out because you're going just so much faster. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, what it's, I think um, you've got one more. I don't want to overrun the hour in case people have got things to do, places to go. Yeah, well, let's just talk very quickly about Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Okay, um, cool. I, I really like this version. I think he plays with the Jules Holland band. Yes. And um, I just like the fact that there is a song where George gets to play with all his pals. It's lovely, isn't it? And, and actually, his last... Um, surviving recording was also with the Jules uh, Holland band that he did on a compilation. Um, so you know, and this one, this one on the album is a remix of the one that he did live in 1992 with them. The, the same one that's on the video. Yep. So so yeah. So it's it's a brilliant um, song. It's very George, I think that type mm -hmm. of song. It's very Beatley, I guess. Um, I really yeah. like the, the ukulele bit and the ukulele sound on it as well, and and it's it's just so much fun. You know it's a cover, don't you? I do, I do, yes. It's, it's a very old yeah. cover, right? It's from the 30s. Uh, Danny said, Danny said um, we had to get that one in. It reeked of my dad because, you know, he, because um, George was always playing ukulele around the house. Mm -hmm. So, and actually because of this song, I, I actually bought my first ukulele. Ah, do you still play that? 
yeah well i've got two ukuleles now i've got the first one um that i bought um years ago and that one was just a cheap ukulele and i bought a nicer one since and i like to play it every now and then especially when i go on holidays because it's such a portable instrument so it's, it's the kind of when you play a ukulele you've got to have a big grin on your face don't you you've just gotta there's no other way to do it you've just gotta smile yeah joe brown did a beautiful song um in that concert for george um which is called what's the name of that see song? you in my dreams see you in my dreams i'll see you yeah in that's beautiful oh that's beautiful there's something i don't know a lot about joe brown but i really warmed to him there's something about his um his personality that I just, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I could really talk to him. Yeah. He, and, and he's a brilliant, and you, you could tell just like with George that they, they just had fun together playing the ukulele. So, and he's in this band, isn't he? Where, where um, he's in the Jules Holland band when they do this. I think so. Um, I'm not sure actually, is he? He must be. Yeah, I think so. Just watch the video. I got a feeling Joe Brown's just standing to, to George's left. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant ukulele player. Yeah. Let's hear a bit and we can just play out with that. Okay. And again. One, a two. Yeah, I'd love to play this on ukulele. Yeah. I don't want you, but I hate to lose you. You got me in between. The devil in the deep blue sea I forgive you Cause I can't forget you You got me in between Well, Neil, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun, actually, talking about this album. It was fun, and I didn't I didn't think we we could talk for an hour about Brainwash, but there you are, we can. It's, 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 if anyone doesn't know the album, it's really worth checking out. It's um, it's on a par with All Things Must Pass, I think. It's, I think it's his um, uh, crowning achievement, really, both of those albums. Yeah, I think it's a very underrated album, and underrated meaning that it's not one of the albums that people talk about when they talk about George Harrison. But it is certainly one of one of the ones people really should be looking into. Yeah, yeah, and you can still see it um, occasionally on vinyl. <laughs> you, you you can, yeah. It's it's not cheap, um, but but you can nope. see it occasionally on, on vinyl. Yeah. But then again, it, it's, George's albums are particularly expensive compared to to other Beatles. Yeah, I think I've come across this one once or twice, um, but I have a little rule that I very rarely get something on vinyl if i've already got it on cd <laughs> yeah no i i do have a lot of especially beetle related stuff i do have in, in several formats which i know is, is difficult to justify but <laughs> to your girlfriend yeah but there you go <laughs> <laughs> okay lovely to talk to you again and uh um and we'll get together in another uh, couple of weeks and do um another beatles album yeah brilliant thank you very much Take care. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Bye.